0: The general, somewhere between sort of concern and disdain for uh, classic background education, right? Of like, get a bachelor's degree in marketing, and then maybe take some graduate programs, or get a, you know a, a, an MBA or a master's or whatever in marketing. Um, that was very very prevalent.
1: Hey, it's Brandon Knob, and you're listening to Educate, a podcast focusing on education, but with a twist. We explore different perspectives of today's learning systems and ask dynamic leaders who are pioneers in their respective fields some poignant questions. You'll get to hear very fascinating conversations with great thoughts about the future. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Educate. Thanks for joining us here on Educate. Today, we have a very special guest. Um, He's an author. He's a successful startup founder and an all-around great guy. (laughs) You know, if you Google him, you'll probably uh, be able to, or rather, he'll probably be able to tell you exactly what you see. You know, he's a pioneer in actually a field that helps you see what you actually Google. But I'm going to shut up here and uh, let him tell you a little bit more about himself. Um, you know, honestly, I could talk about him for literally 45 minutes just uh, talking about all the great things he does. So welcome, Rand. Thanks for coming to or, you know, joining us on the show.
0: Yeah, my pleasure, Brandon. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's really great to have you. Um I actually interviewed your mother, coincidentally, uh, a number of years ago on another radio show. So it's Ah, awesome to have, (laughs) yeah, to have the whole family uh, be interviewed. Well, most of the people out there uh, probably know you uh, and your association with your first company, Moz, um, and maybe even some of the books that you've either authored or co-authored. But you just started a new company, right? Um, Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So
0: I left Moz uh, about two years ago, and um, the next day, the day after I left the company, started a new one called Spark Toro, um, which raised a little bit of money uh, in a in a very sort of unique um, non venture round. And then uh, we've been yeah building our our technology for the last couple of years, and we just launched uh, in April, uh, I guess. three months ago, Thursday. So uh, so almost three months ago.
1: Okay. And so this is your second company, right? I I don't know of any other companies and you've done Yeah, I mean, technically,
0: you know, technically, I started some other projects. Um, Darmesh Shah from HubSpot and I co-founded Inbound.org, but it was less of a company and more of sort of a side
1: project. Got it, got it, and uh, you know you, you you've done that with Moz, uh, so you know now you're doing this with obviously Spark Toro. Do you do you feel like since you went through that whole experience with with Moz that you know this will be much better, or I mean, how are you feeling about this new new uh, you know company?
0: I mean, I I feel like I learned a tremendous amount, and also nothing I did could prepare me for launching in you know, the worst economic recession in 50 years and right. um, amidst COVID. And, you know, the, um, that, that's really put a, uh, a kink in all sorts of um, things, not, not just for us. I mean, we're obviously in a, a lucky position compared to many, many people, but uh, it's definitely made the last three months considerably harder than I think it would have otherwise been.
1: So uh yeah, it's very interesting uh you know I've read some stuff out there that that talks about frankly you know starting in these um, kind of difficult times and and you know maybe it might be a good sign for you guys because uh, they they seem to be at least from what I've read you know do, to do really well uh, because they go through these very very challenging times
0: yeah, I think the uh, the stats that I've seen and and read similarly suggest that. You know, going through, starting up uh, during a, an economic crisis or recession, a depression um, can be a really exciting time to start because many of the most successful sort of businesses of the following years um, come, come through these periods. That being said, it's also a very high risk time, right? So the, the five-year survival rate, 10-year survival rate of companies started during downturns is not, not great.
1: Right, 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 no, that makes a lot of sense, so if if hopefully we get through this and <laughs> right, right, yeah, if we, if we
0: can survive the next you know year or two years, uh then I think the the future is potentially bright,
1: got it, got it, and and so you're saying you raised some capital uh I mean, now since you've been through this before, did you go through the regular process, you know, kind of like hmm. the, the MVP thing, you know, product market fit you know, so what what kind of process did you use to, to build this this company?
0: We no, we went a very very different route than what I did with Moz. So SparkToro didn't really have an MVP. Um, certainly nothing that we showed you know anyone who was a customer or might be a customer um, when we raised money. We we essentially raised money on an idea. Mm. Um, so you know we had we had validated that idea a little bit. You know Casey had built a couple of pieces of tech that suggested that yes, if you aggregate these social and web profiles, you can get um, useful and interesting market research data from them. But uh, we did not, we did not go the classic sort of, you know, build an MVP, show it to some customers, try and get a few people on board and then raise money on the, you know, premise of, Hey, we have customers and we have product market fit or whatever it is. Right. is. Um, I'm, I'm actually not a, particularly a big believer in that. I think that a lot of it, uh, a lot of that sort of Silicon Valley classic wisdom is, um, let's see, does not apply to very many situations. I think that most companies that think they've, they're they showing product market fit um, are not. I don't think pro- product market fit is even really a thing that companies uh, until they're at very, very large scale ever find. I think it's just a constant journey, not a destination. Mm. Um, and you know I am I am very um, fed up with, done with, um, sick and tired of the <laughs> the, the classic uh, model of fundraising for Silicon Valley startups. I, I don't think I don't think it's right for most companies. I don't think it's mm. right for most founders. I don't even think it's right for most investors and it's certainly not right for, you know, the world and the economy um, at a macro level, right? It, it just um, further deepens income inequality and, and wealth distribution and it, um, you know, the, the model is very much a invest in 100 companies and one or two of them are sort of are successful and maybe four or five do okay and the rest die trying. Um, so it, it is a very, very high risk. The restaurant business is far more forgiving <laughs> and, and okay. that should tell you everything you need to know yeah
1: definitely well well i love that answer uh in all honesty uh this is part of the reason why i uh, i i wanted to invite you to the show just your thinking is, is honestly very pioneering um from all that i've seen and just experienced and so i can't wait till we start talking about some of the education questions but yeah. we'll we'll finish yeah. off with a couple more okay. um about spark tour if that's okay just to kind of make sure that people do know about you guys because you, you build some great things and, and I, I want the world to know, but also it's just, it's very interesting to hear your, your thoughts about how, how you, you and, and you say Casey, is, is that yeah, correct? Casey's He's my co-
0: co-founder. Mm-hmm.
1: Got, got it. And how, how did you guys come together and how did that uh, pan out? Or like, how did you, you know, uh, decide that basically you guys are going to work on this together?
0: Yeah. So uh, I, I think it was, must've been, Twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, Casey was uh, building websites out in uh, Michigan, where he's from, and was reading the Ma's blog, right—the blog that I was writing. Yeah, um, and he commented on there frequently. I think we solicited a um, a guest post from him, or maybe he offered one—I can't remember. And um, after that, we started, yeah, just doing some stuff together, right? Kind of, kind of working together with Casey. He. Kind of pitched us on the idea of maybe we should work together and um, and do something together. So we, uh, Moz, my old company, flew him out to Seattle and uh, you know pitched him on joining the team. And he became our what was it director of inbound engineering, basically running the front end of the website. Um, for I think he was there four or five years and then mm-hmm. left. He was at HubSpot for a while. He was at Wistia. Came back to Seattle and, and uh, worked at UCLA, um, and he and I got together a few times as I was preparing to leave Moz, and shared, you know, a vision for this for this space around market research and being able to aggregate data um, from social and web profiles, and uh, you know, he's got incredible technical skills just kind of across the board right full stack and mm. um, and I have no technical skills <laughs> so <laughs> so you know we made for a good combination um, and we yeah. work really well together we like sort of doing the same things we had a similar shared vision for the type of company we wanted to build which was not venture backed specifically intentionally uh, independently focused um, we wanted to keep the team small, Uh, We wanted to raise money to give ourselves the security to be able to build with high confidence and and launch without a lot of financial pressures. But we also wanted um, a business that would be successful for investors that hopefully maybe could help prove that there are other ways to build technology growth businesses than venture capital.
1: Mm. Interesting. So tell us a little bit about that. So how are you exploring that area um, of of funding and slash supporting the organization? So you you say an alternative way. Um, Yeah. I'm definitely curious. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. um, So, you know, for, for any of your listeners, uh, we, we we didn't get creative with the naming convention. It's just called the spark spark Toro funding model. Mm -hmm. And so if you Google spark Toro funding we actually had our lawyers open source versions of the documents, and anyone can use them to fundraise. Uh, Several startups, I think three or four startups already have, and so has a seed fund out of Minneapolis called Tiny Seed Fund. Um, And we, you know, we had this idea that basically, we could develop a model where, um, where investors and founders and employees and customers would all be well-served. Um, and and the only thing we really had to sacrifice in order to get that was the tax dodge of um, long-term capital gains tax on your investment. So, you know, basically, uh, I'll give you an example, Brandon. Let's say you invested $100,000 into SparkToro, and we raised $1.3 million from, what, 30... Or thirty-five investors, so uh, you know the average amount was somewhere between thirty and fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say you put a hundred thousand dollars in, you know, you own whatever it is a couple percent of the units uh, in the company. If Spark Toro ever sells, you get back the greater of either your money or how much your percent of ownership of the company is worth. So that's pretty. That's pretty similar to, to venture, right? Although they usually have a bunch of other interesting and weird clauses around that stuff. Right. <laughs> um, uh, and, and in any year where the company is profitable, uh, we can choose to pay dividends back to the, you know, to the investors, uh, or we can choose to reinvest that money in growth. Until we pay you back your full $100,000 in dividends, uh, Casey and I can't have our salaries any higher than the Seattle software engineer average which is, mm. um, you know, it's a, a very fine salary, but it's certainly not going to make us rich, right? Not, not in right. Seattle anyway. Um, exactly. and, and so this model basically encourages us to uh, keep our salaries relatively low and, and to benefit um, our investors and ourselves through a long-term profitable business. Maybe someday mm. we'll sell, Mm-hmm. But the real goal is not to build a company that's designed to be a unicorn, mm. right, sell for a billion dollars or die trying. Right? Um, it's designed to be a high percentage odds that it will survive. Mm. right? And high percentage odds that it survives and becomes profitable. And then hopefully, my hope is over the next 10, 20, maybe even 30 years, mm-hmm. that it uh, pays dividends in many of those years and grows in others and is one of the most successful, financially successful things in our investors' portfolios.
1: Mm. Um,
0: and I believe that we can do all of those things at the same time, right? By serving our customers really well and being uh, financially focused not on engineering for growth at all costs, but on uh, being a business that is um, that can survive for a very long time.
1: Right, right. No, I like it. I like it. And I think yeah. uh, a lot of people will also like it. So that's great to, to hear because I mean, um, you know, like you said, all we need to do is Google it now because it's out there. Right. So we can you yeah, know, yeah. borrow some of the principles. Awesome. Well, let me ask you maybe just a couple last uh, questions. Um, well, first off, I'm kind of curious. Um, so, you know, pitch the the public if you don't mind like about spark toro if you don't you know just uh to, to give them a little bit better of an idea of why they'd want to use it um you know Moz obviously was about seo which a lot of people grasp onto pretty easily um, now yeah <laughs> right <laughs> uh but now you know spark toro is going a little bit of a different direction obviously um so what why would somebody want to maybe use spark toro um, what, what's the future? The product set, maybe just a few things, so that we can, you know, uh, you know, find more need to go to the website and then, you know, use those ten queries. I think it is that we get you, use every month. Um, that's, I guess, free, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so
0: Sparktoro is a really simple premise, right? The idea is instantly discover what your audience reads, watches, listens to, and follows. And and all that means is if you want to find out what podcasts are popular with architects in Los Angeles, SparkToro can tell you. If you want to find out what people who are passionate about the Steven Universe TV show um, also follow, uh, SparkToro can tell you that. If you want to know what uh, chemical engineers in the United Kingdom are reading and listening and watching, SparkToro can tell you that. Uh, If you're curious about, what people whose job title includes the word uh, healthcare administrator, uh, which YouTube channels they subscribe to, SparkToro can tell you that. Mm. So it's, it's just audience intelligence, right? Uh, market research at your fingertips.
1: Got it. Got it. That's great. Um, i I know I personally use it already a bit, and I'm, I'm planning on using it quite a bit yeah. more um, with with other projects. I think
0: uh, I've talked to a number of podcast hosts about it, and you know, one of the things that they have identified as as sort of really useful is figuring out who influences the audiences that they want to reach, and then inviting mm-hmm. those people to be guests.
1: Mm. So it's
0: great for sort of guest selection, like, oh, wait, gosh, you know, the person behind this publication or this YouTube channel or this social account is really popular with, you know, this job title or people who frequently talk about this subject or use this hashtag or whatever it is. That's who I want to get on my show.
1: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That makes definitely a lot of sense. So good to hear. Um, One last question before we jump into the education space. Um, And that is, you know, you've done it. You know, twice now, um, and you know, at least, or at least with uh, another individual, maybe three times. Um, Do you have any advice for anybody out there? You know, like uh, in terms of starting companies. um, (laughs) You know, I'm sure there's a lot, but
0: yeah, yeah. uh, So, I'm sure this is a a, a, an intentional tee up, but it is a brilliantly (laughs) executed one. Um, So, I I wrote a book. I wrote a book called Lost and Founder, a painfully honest field guide to the startup world, and. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically 17 chapters of I- exactly that, right? Just pieces of advice, things that I wish someone had told me when I was starting my business, things that I feel like the startup world, especially the technology startup world, does a really poor job of telling us, and that you know that includes things around um, raising money and and marketing and getting your first few hundred customers, um, but it also includes things like managing. You know your your psychology and dealing with anxiety and depression which which i have uh several times over my career and and talking about the challenges of hiring and managing a team and layoffs um which Ma's had a very pay- painful round of layoffs uh, a couple of years after i stepped down as ceo that um yeah that just hit like like a freight train uh so yeah if you if you are looking for a very raw very emotional um, read, which is unusual about uh, technology startups, um, Lost and Founder might be helpful.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I bet. So everybody out there, make sure you, you get a copy of that. that. That definitely answers the question and uh, many pages of good advice. Uh, so you know like I said at the beginning and you know throughout uh, we, we focus on education here on uh, the show and uh, uh, it's funny I, I did a little googling myself of your background just to you know see where you went to school and and I didn't know until today I mean you're you're basically another Bill Gates or a Mark Zuckerberg I mean you, yeah. you, you, you well I mean not necessarily you know the same type of you know persona or whatever the it is but uh, but you did I guess you you didn't finish the U-Dub, is, is that correct? Is, did I read correctly? Like you, um, you know, was it, you you, you finished uh, a couple credits short? Or, what, what happened there, just out of curiosity?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, um, so I was at the University of, University of Washington for three years and two quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I dropped out, um, I guess, just two classes away from graduating. Oh, wow. Uh, to start working, start working with with Jillian with my mom um, mm. on the business that became Moz. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't I don't know that I would recommend that path for a lot of other people. You know, when I look at the stats of people who've completed college or or completed um, secondary degrees and um, you know folks who went to high school, folks who dropped out of high school, that the stats are. Uh, just so stark especially in the united states right that that education just predicts a much much better kind of safer happier healthier life mm-hmm. um, and so I, i've been lucky right I, I was able to you know turn my um, my dropout experience into a yeah fun story and sort of an, an experience that went well but um, i'm i 'm loath to recommend it to, to a <laughs> lot of other people. just when I look at the numbers um, you know i mean I guess if you 're already rich, like who cares right <laughs> yeah be a college <laughs> shop, you know bill Gates' family right his his right, dad was already right. one of the most prominent attorneys in the city, and like mm-hmm. his family had tons of money right Mark zuckerberg was you know, paying the full tuition at Harvard, he came from tons of money. Mm. So, you know, we're we're not talking about self-made anything here, right? We're just talking about sort of uh, already rich people who got very who got even luckier. I but um, yeah, I I, I did. Um, <laughs> I definitely had that sort of uh, college experience. I, I'm sure, like a lot of people do, where I I got burnt out right at the end.
1: Sure, sure. Well, well, I mean, you not only, you know, uh, had three plus years at the UW, but I mean, you went to a pretty good high school, uh, knowing that from growing up in, in, in the region myself. You oh, know, OK. Yeah. Newport's a great, great you know high school. Um, very competitive from what I remember. Um, so do you feel like oh, gosh, I feel like
0: it was just the local public school? but I think it was just the local public school. It, it,
1: it, what my, my experience personally was, uh, uh, with debate, uh, in particular, you guys had some really great debaters. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and on top of that, I think that it had a lot, of, I mean, it, it's the Newport and Bellevue, correct?
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. On the Renton border.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I remember lots of kids and I've even heard recently, um, there the school's been so competitive with, with, uh, I think like an Asian population because a lot of, you know, on the East side has a lot of uh, Chinese immigrants and, and, you know, Indian immigrants, you know, all feeding into Microsoft, but, you know, just, um, a very good school. So, oh. um, yeah.
0: I'm not sure it was a great school when I went there,
1: but I'm glad to hear that it's a
0: good school now. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I got beat up on the, uh, on the football field a couple of times and, uh, I don't know yeah i don't have <laughs> well, <that> like is... <laughs> strong recommendations for high school i think i didn't have a great high school
1: experience how about that i i see i see no it had it had a big uh call or what is it football program for what i remember too so uh oh, but, okay yeah interesting interesting well um you know with with business uh some people you know go out there and jump into mba programs did you ever feel the need to get an mba or or you know, uh, do you feel like your real life experience, you know, experiences rather were enough or or have you, you you know, thought about maybe going out and do that uh, maybe anywhere along that path?
0: I have not ever considered it. No. Um, And that is not uh, that's not to say that I don't think it's valuable. I think I think there are some folks who um, would benefit tremendously. And I think depending on the industry that you're interested in, uh, it could certainly be you know, a, a win. Um, but I will say that my experience at, in my experience at, at Moz and, and now at Toro and of course in the um, venture-backed startup world, um, most of my exposure to uh, MBA graduates with a, with a couple notable, very wonderful exceptions ha- has not been great.
1: Mm, that's fascinating. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, um,
0: sure, yeah. I think there's a... Um, Let's see. I think there's a, a stereotype of um, sort of the the structures, philosophies, and principles of you know how businesses operate and work. That when they encounter uh, real world problems, attempt to apply the pattern matching and structures that they've been taught, and through that experience. Um, encounter big challenges and create create structures that many folks who sort of came up organically in the in the you know whatever in the world of building management teams or of starting companies and building processes uh, find somewhere between jarring and grading and um, truly anti-productive hmm. So that's, that's not to say that it, it can't work, right? But just like, you know, I'm in the marketing world, right? Right. And I think if you go to, you know, if you go to marketing classes and, um, um, you know, read marketing textbooks and those kinds of things, and then try and apply that to the world of web marketing, you are going to lose a lot of money and be sorely disappointed. <laughs> um, and that, um, you know, I think I think that's... Uh, just kind of how how those systems work. I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure what the the disconnect is between um, studying the um, studying these processes in sort of a rigorous structured way versus attempting to apply them, but it is, uh, it's very difficult. I, I recently did a survey, you, you probably saw it, um, Brandon, the, the survey on Sparktoro's website, where I asked, you know, professional marketers how they got into the field and, and what their experiences were like, and the, um, yeah, the general, somewhere between sort of concern and disdain for uh, classic background education, right, of like, get a Bachelor's degree in marketing, and then maybe take some graduate programs or get a, you know, a, a, an MBA or a master's or whatever in marketing. Um, that was very very
1: prevalent. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely saw it, and and I I have to be honest, I wrote a piece for UMass when it was UMass, I guess. Oh, wild, yeah. Um, yeah, and I actually compared or or evaluated the graduate programs in marketing, and they were were horrible with (laughs) SEO, right? Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I
0: think this is one of the big challenges, right, is that, um, you know, my sense is there are certain fields where the education you can get through uh, the university system in the United States is phenomenal. I mean, computer science education is at the forefront of computer science, right? You come out of one of those programs, even some of the, you know, mid-ranked ones, And engineering firms all over the country want to hire you. Right. right? Um, The same is true in design. Uh, The same is true in a lot of art fields. The same is true in um, psychology. The same is true. Like, uh, there's tons of areas where a university education is an essential component and a really valuable component. Mm -hmm. And then there's marketing. Right, and I feel like entrepreneurship is a little bit that as well. Um, I, I think I think both of those are finally getting more investment over the last 5, 10 years. But um, you know, when I was doing a lot of hiring at Moz, we, we struggled there significantly. Um, and I know many many consultants and agencies and um, in house firms that
1: that kind of look at like oh, college degree in marketing, hmm. <laughs> Well, let me let me pose it to you, then if you got to build your own, you know, Rand Fishkin School or Mm -hmm. maybe Fishkin, you know, graduate school of entrepreneurship and marketing. What what are some things you feel like today is lacking that perhaps we could throw into that ideal program or or maybe just a couple of things, at least that you would maybe alter uh, versus what we we might have today?
0: Yeah, I think um, my sense is that the high level uh, structural sort of strategy, like why does marketing work, right? Why is it the case that people are you know, sort of biased by the structures around them? Why do they take action based on on given messaging and inputs? Um, how do we reach those individuals? How do we identify what are customers? Uh, all, you know, who our customers are, all those kinds of things are, are philosophically right things to cover. Mm-hmm. My sense is more that it is uh, channels and tactics that's missing, mm. right? So the, the deep down nitty gritty, like why doesn't it work to go to Facebook ads and plug in your target, you know, customer demographic and let the ad platform do its machine learning work? Mm. Why, why does that suck so badly? What's going mm. on there? and how, how do I fix that? Hey, you know we started creating some content and trying to rank in Google. Why, why do we never rank on page one? Can mm. someone diagnose that for me?? <laughs> right? mm. That, mm. that kind of stuff is just um, I think it's not taught because A, it's, it's not well understood, right? These, mm-hmm. uh, these platforms, right? these sort of monopolies that control their field. Uh, Facebook and Google being the the duopoly that controls most advertising spend and a ton of marketing attention and energy uh, right now, Mm -hmm. those platforms are very um, secretive and obfuscating and intentionally misleading about what you are supposed to do and how um, and what works and what doesn't. And so many practitioners find, oh, yeah, Google said to do this. (laughs) That doesn't work at all. But but if you're in a marketing class and you pull up Google's website and it's just, well, Google says to do this. It's a a little tough, right? Yeah. You know, back, uh, whatever, you know, 25 years ago, right? If you were in a marketing class and, you know, the Wall Street Journal's uh, ad sheet said, this is how ads work. That was true. Mm. that's how it worked right
1: Mm -hmm. paid that
0: amount they would show it on this edition it would would go to these demographics like yeah that was all correct Mm.
1: now not so much yeah yeah well well do you think then the real world out there is doing the job of educators or, or education programs do you think uh anybody's tackling any of these issues uh by chance
0: There are, yeah, there are a number of private organizations and and folks who are um, putting together everything from, you know, YouTube style education online stuff to, um, you know, uh, academies, Uh, you know, Moz built one for SEO. Uh, There was a good one from the the consulting company Distilled out in the UK that did one. Um, Market Motive for a long time was doing that. Uh, And I think those, you know, those models can work. They're a little challenging because the um, I think unfortunately the, what do I want to call it? The prestige mm. that's associated with university degree isn't quite there. Right. Um, even, even if the information might be more applicable or practical, you know, it's not the same to say, oh, I, whatever, graduated from this free online course uh, versus I paid a bunch of money to this, um, you know, public institution or, or, or private university. Um, so I think there's that challenge. And, uh, I think that there's also, um, some, some challenges around, you know, while, while those programs can teach very focused tactics and channels and that kind of stuff, uh, they are not, not always getting the big picture stuff, right. The, the theory and strategy and philosophy. Right. Right. Principles.
1: Well, um, you you spoke a little bit about this earlier uh, where you said like maybe your high school program wasn't probably the most uh, enjoyable. Um, Now, now, if you, I mean, well, let's talk about it in two ways. One is, I hope you had some good experiences in high school and and, and college. Um, So maybe let's reflect back on some good educators Mm, and and maybe talk about a little bit about what, what, what they, they were like, but maybe tell us a little bit about what, what did frustrate you and maybe some things that we could change with the education system. So if you don't mind starting with the good, and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll end with a little bit of the the bad with this one question.
0: Sure. Um, Yeah. So one thing, one thing that's unfortunately true for me is my, um, my long-term memory is not phenomenal. So yeah. I have, I think like many people, I have emotional memories that are tied to my experiences growing up and going to school. Um, but not a lot of, I guess, more substantive, pragmatic ones, right? Like, I i don't think I could tell you the name of a single teacher I had in high school. Wow. Okay. Um, or college. Mm. Uh yeah
1: so it's hard I, to recall
0: yeah it is it is quite hard to recall for me and I, I, maybe that information has been taken up by how to rank web pages in Google um, but, <laughs> uh, but but I you know I um someone someone asked me the other week if I could name anyone that I went to high school with and the the only people I could name i I dated two women in high school I guess I was a boy they were girls at the time right but um uh, yeah like other than those two people i I can't name someone I went to high school with. This is embarrassing. Occasionally I'll get like an email from somebody that says, oh, we went to high school together. And I, you know, I kind of have the, like, did we, how wonderful it is to meet you again. (laughs) Yes, of course. Um, and, and my high school was relatively big, but not huge, like 1700 people, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but so, yeah, that, that is a little bit challenging. But I do have uh, – I certainly have emotional memories of very good classroom experiences from some from high school, some from college, uh, of you know, kind of discovering um, things that were new to me. I think especially on the – I want to say ethics and values front, mm. I think those are the areas where education – um was most important to me because i I didn't it's not that i didn't get that stuff at home but i didn't get it in a structured way right i didn't get a hey this is what's right and this is what's wrong and you know i'd been to synagogue a little bit with my parents and grandparents when i was a kid but um the jewish faith is very much about you discovering your own path right um Mm -hmm. which i appreciate which i i love right i think um you know the i have a lot of Criticisms of of Judaism, but one one that I really love is this this discovery of um, you know self discovery through education and and learning for yourself and not you know you don't always take the rabbi's word for it the rabbi could be wrong you could be right um, which is which is super different from a lot of other religions um, but I, I I think I got a lot of my early Um, ethics and values and sort of ability to question the world around me and think more critically from, uh, in particular, I think my, my favorite classes, my favorite topics to study, the things I had the most positive um, experiences with were literature, Mm. fiction, fiction in particular. Um, I see. Yeah. That's, um, that's the, that's the stuff that really sticks with me and, and resonates and makes me I think you know in a way it it ties to what we were talking about earlier like Rand why did you not raise venture capital again why did you question the structures of capital gains tax rate that in you know that the a bunch of rich people lobbied for in the 1970s to create sure. the venture asset class that you know drives this weird income inequality in the US and blah 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 like where does that where does that come from mm. where, where, where does someone like you get those ideas and i think honestly it comes from those places, right? Those places of of trying to dissect um, whatever you know, a, a an anti communist book by Milan Kundera, right? Or mm. uh, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, some um, some work by Walt Whitman or wh- whatever it is, right? Right. Right, um, right. And that, yeah, that that really, uh, I'm I'm grateful for it.
1: Well, so learners like yourself, um, I, I don't know if it would necessarily be in the minority or the majority or the average. Um, do you think there's anything we could do with education uh, differently moving forward for, for our future generations?
0: Gosh, I am so reticent to say as someone who does not study education, um, I know what we should do. Mm. Like my, my, my bias is to say, There must be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of very smart people who work on this problem all the time, who Mm -hmm. have superb and excellent solutions. Um, and my, one of my strongest guesses is that a fundamental, um, a fundamental flaw in the education system is not individual teachers or programs, but it is structural. Mm. Because if, if the United States' history and present has taught me anything, it's that many of our most pernicious problems can be boiled down to, um, you know, our histories of structural disenfranchisement of um, people without means, of um, uh, people who are not white, of people who are not male, of people who are not cis, of people who are not straight. Uh, and, and I... I am almost certain those persist today. So if you were to say, Rand, you have to come up with something, I would say, stop basing school funding on property taxes.
1: Mm.
0: That that shit cannot stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's an obviously, you know, intentionally historic racist structure. Uh, I would say that we need to be more cognizant of the distinction between Good schools and bad schools based on the school or the teachers or the um, location or those kinds of things. And more attuned to the fact that in many, many cases, I know this is true for, for colleges in particular. I, I'm sure it's true for high schools and middle schools and uh, and elementary, is that a ton of it is who you get to know when you're there. Right. Right. And so... It is, it is pretty infuriating to me when we say, "Oh, I want to move to a better school district." Mm. Like I know what that means, right? That is a coded thing, and mm-hmm. and even my very progressive, very thoughtful friends here in Seattle, which is a super left leaning city, right? Mm-hmm. When they say that, I kind of give them a little side eye, mm-hmm. right? Because that that shit is suspicious. Like mm-hmm. what that means mostly is. I want to move to a wealthy white and Asian neighborhood Mm. where when my kids go to school, they meet other mostly wealthy white and Asian children. And those networks persist throughout their lives and help them sort of build on the structural unearned wealth that our country mostly earned through slavery. Right. (laughs) And and like all that stuff really bugs me. Like Mm. I I find that fundamentally unfair. I don't like it. Um, It's really hard to, manage and also you cannot like brandon i don't know if you've ever tried this you cannot go to your friends and be like you want to move to a better school district i don't think that's what you really want let me explain what you're doing (laughs) you (laughs) can't do it right you are an asshole if you if you try and have that conversation with your friends
1: right no no completely completely Well, let let me ask then, um, um, very salient points and very, very interesting thoughts on this. Um, Do you think other countries are doing it better or do you think there's other places that perhaps might be, um, you know, uh, might serve as a model even for the rest of the world or or do you think the... I'm sure that's
0: true. And also, unfortunately, I don't know what they are because I haven't studied that. You know, I've read whatever the think pieces that come across my my social feeds and, and whatever, Hacker News and Reddit yeah. and the things I subscribe to, right? But I, I, someone else will have a great answer to that question, and and I do not. I, I do think one of the things we have to figure out is what are we trying to optimize for? Mm. Like, it, w- What's our goal, right? Is our, is our goal we want the most competitive economy in the world? Is it mm. that we want the most informed voters and citizens? Is it that we want to be one of the happiest places to live, right? Where, where people have, you know, whatever, um, less concern, right? And they are less fearful about their health care and about being able to make their rent and those kinds of things. Like, what, what are we trying to build here? Great question. Um, and I'm not, sure, I'm not sure the United States has got a great answer to that. And so I think a lot of the time when we, when we don't have a great answer to that, it's really hard to say, like, what does good education
1: look like? It's a good point. Good point. Um, you're right. We do need to ask those questions to determine this all. Well, speaking of questions, uh, if you don't mind, we're going to, we're going to end, uh, our talk here today with what we call a little bit of a i don't know lightning round <laughs> i love it let's do it <laughs> i'm gonna ask you five questions and then relatively quickly i i you know i used to say like answer it in one or two words but it's kind of hard i think okay. some of these questions so but you know we can elaborate on one to stuff. five one to five yeah yeah so <laughs> <we'll>, <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right so first question is who's your hero such a tough one. <laughs> oh my
0: God, this is so hard. Um, man, I have been so incredibly impressed by Elizabeth Warren. Mm. She, she might be right up there. Okay, great, great. I mean, uh, you know, John Lewis just passed away and mm. damn, it is hard to find someone who
1: did more with their life in a more positive way. Right. He fought. He fought. Yeah. yeah. Um, second question. Uh, not necessarily for you, but maybe for everybody else. Uh, who Who's a great role model um, out in society? So, I mean, it's similar, but, you know, I think we can probably answer it in a little bit of a different way if you don't mind.
0: Yeah. Who is a great role model for other people, for, for people out in society?
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Gosh, I... I don't know, if folks. Probably not a lot of folks have heard of her, but I, I bet they're familiar with um, who who she is. Uh, Rose Marcario was was the CEO of Patagonia for the last twelve years. Mm. Um, she is a very impressive person and accomplished, just an incredible
1: amount there. And um, yeah, yeah. No, I've heard a lot. I, of- I would I would check her out if you haven't already. Yeah, no, I've heard a lot of great things about Patagonia. I didn't know she was the leader, but uh, wonderful. Um, The next question, a little bit longer of a question, but, you know, and it might be hard to answer in a few words. um, But, and and it's also, I mean, frankly, you've talked about this before. I even saw your interview. I think it was on CNN. um, But um, relating to this, uh, what could be a great motivator for someone just not feeling so hot in their efforts to succeed as either an entrepreneur or maybe even a student you know we we do trip over things we, we don't sometimes have those support networks or i don't know what it exactly is i'll be honest uh, yeah. this might be the first time i've actually shared this but you know i've, I've struggled with depression as well yeah and, and so, so i i yeah i completely empathize with with that interview that you had so anything you can think of that might you know, be a little bit of inspiration, maybe some tips, kind of, you know, just, I don't know. I mean, we could even elaborate on this one if you'd like.
0: Sure. My, my lightning round answer is three words. Okay. Help other people. Hmm. hmm. It is, there is really wonderful research out there showing that one of the best ways to fight against anxiety, depression, sadness, lack of motivation, cognitive decline, just everything is is by being someone who helps other people. And Mm. if you can find a skill and hone that skill, um, find an area of knowledge and hone that area of knowledge, uh, build a network and and then help other people get access to your skill, your knowledge, your network. Mm -hmm. um, That is a wonderful way to live your life. And that is, it is a really powerful way to overcome um, a lot of these negative thoughts and emotions that consume people who are, who are prone to these things. Like, like it sounds like you and I are.
1: Yeah, no, a wonderful, wonderful answer. I, I volunteered to help a few different folks, uh, during this COVID, uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't know what you want to call it. Right. And it was, I, I enjoyed it more than anything, helping those other people. Um, and it made just, yeah, it gave me, you know, daily. Yeah. And when you
0: hear, right. When you hear someone else tell you like, Hey, that meant a lot to me, you know how people say, gosh, how does that how do you look in the mirror at night? You know, how do you how do you wake up and look at yourself in the morning? If you have people telling yourself that telling you that that you've really helped them, it gets pretty easy to look in the mirror.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, these next couple of questions aren't necessarily on in the same vein, not necessarily even education related. It's just more to get to know you. So the next one is what's your favorite meal or dish? Oh, I am a pasta Fanatic
0: pasta and, and risotto. Those are awesome. those are the two things I I cannot live without my carbs. <laughs> Italian carbs in particular. I don't know what it is. I just
1: I'm a nut. Awesome. Awesome. And, and last question. Uh, so what do your close friends or, you know, even maybe your distant friends um, not know about you? What's a what's an interesting fact about yourself that might even surprise your wife?
0: Oh my goodness! Might even surprise my wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have been we have been together a long time. Geraldine likes to say we've been together since God was a boy. Um, <laughs> it will nice. be what it'll be nineteen years that we've been together uh, this December. So it's a, yeah, good little while. However, oh man, um, I am. <laughs> Uh, I'm never going to come up with something that Geraldine doesn't know. So let's ignore that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, but almost nobody, nobody else knows that. Um, did you know I'm a super nerd for Dungeons and Dragons? No. There you did go. I know that. Yep. Super nerd. It's okay. possible I even have a tab open with uh, with some D and D stuff in my browser right now while we're talking. <laughs> I'm not looking at it,
1: but it but it's open. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, well Rand, I, I just have to not only thank you for, for joining us here on the show here today, but um, I've, I've, I've respected you from the first day I've read, I don't know if it was a post on what, it, what used to be called SEO Moz, right? Yeah, and then right. converted over to, to Moz. Um, and you've always, um, as, as a lot of people know, you, you always respond to emails when people even email you out of the blue. Uh, you did it to me a few times when you had no clue who I was. <laughs> um, and, and so I want to just say thanks uh, for being real. Um, that, that's something that not a lot of people out there are like, I think, when they've had your your level of success on on various things. So, so yes, from my heart and, and sincerely, thank you very much for joining us here today and spending some time and talking about these uh different things, your, your, your company. And, uh, yeah, this important topic of education. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Brandon. Thanks for joining us here on educate. We sincerely appreciate you spending some time and listening to our show. Hopefully you enjoy, and we would always appreciate a little review here at the bottom and on top of that if you don't mind subscribe and hope uh, to have you listen to more great episodes we want to share with you examining the focus of education thanks again look forward to seeing you back here on the show